0: Hey everybody, welcome into the Phantom Football Podcast. This is Simon Short. Just giving you a programming note here at the top, we had a bit of a different schedule for us this Monday evening for this Tuesday show you are now listening to. Um, Because of that, we did not cover the Monday night football game that took place between the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals, so that's why we're not talking about that. We also did some things out of order uh, to fit the schedule of everybody this week. So we have Ronan, Ben, and myself all present for our news and injuries and game of the week. Uh, And then we get into our barbecue session uh, where we talk about the trade deadline and what we are expecting to take place here today on uh, where most of you hopefully are listening to this on Tuesday before the deadline has passed. If you're listening to this past this, you can decide how wrong we were. Um, And then we get into Ronan's awards Before Ronan has to take off so then we get into my awards after that and then Ben and I hit the two primetime games that we did cover Sunday night football Bills and Packers Thursday night football Ravens and Bucks uh, before having a general conversation about a couple of those teams so that's how the the episode broke down this week Uh, didn't want anybody to be confused as you were listening so we really hope you enjoy and we'll get to the podcast
1: Hello again everybody. Welcome to the Phantom Football Podcast. Hope you're doing great. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Joined once again by Simon Short, Ronan Summers. I am Benjamin Parker. Hope you enjoyed your NFL weekend, your Halloween, and hope your November is off to a rocking start. Simon, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing fantastic, Ben. Happy Halloween to you.
1: Thank you very much. Just enjoyed it with the kids a little while ago. Just uh, literally rushed in the door from uh, uh, Dr. Strange, Princess uh, Tiana, and... uh, uh, not savage, but there's another bad guy whose name that my middle kid is going to look at me sideways for forgetting. But uh, be that as it may, uh, Ronan, how are you tonight, man?
2: I'm doing spooktacular, Ben. I'm ready yes, to get into yes, the pod. Yes, there
1: it is. <laughs> We're going to see how many Halloween puns that Ronan can work in here in this fast-paced edition of the Phantom Football Podcast.
2: <laughs> it might be one. It might be a 100. We'll just have to sit and see.
1: Really quickly, Simon, your best Halloween costume ever
0: or your worst or most interesting. Give it to us. Guys, I've had some really good Halloween costumes. Maybe we'll get into it another day. But most relevant to this pod, I was Troy Polamalu one year for Halloween. Oh, i had, nice to see that. I had a Captain Hook <laughs> wig left over from the year before. And I, I didn't have a jersey at that point. I wasn't getting jerseys when I was a kid. But we took a white t-shirt. And my mom wrote in 43 and spelled the name and everything. And I went out just like that. So no lame. I'm a football player wearing a shirt. I was I was Troy Palomalu. I had the hair and everything. So that was the best one, I think.
1: Recycle it, baby. I love it. Absolutely. Ronan, your best, worst?
0: Uh, I
2: probably, I mean, it could probably fall under either category. Uh, I was once a zombie brain surgeon. Uh, I had a lab coat. Wow. Yeah, yeah, lab coat, white makeup or whatever on my face, you know, make me look all zombie like. Oh, yeah. Got we're all just the tonight, wasn't
0: it? He's wearing the it not, right now, everybody. Yeah,
2: it's actually, uh, I just
0: changed out of it. <laughs> ben, were you dressed up for this Halloween going trick or treating? Are you the parent that, that walks around dressed up or not? I'm certainly not
1: above it, but in this particular case, I was just the driver, um, so I, I didn't dress up. My kids didn't like that, but uh, I was like, you know what? You're lucky you got there, kid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you were, hey, a, you you were an Uber driver for Halloween.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. Throw some uh, 49ers gear on, and Kyle Shanahan, I think that passed. There you go.
1: There you go. I can, I can make that happen. <laughs> I used to get Peyton Manning a lot, back when Manning was playing. Mm-hmm. There you uh, go. You know, Okay. All right, we had an awesome NFL weekend, all kinds of things to get to, but I think the biggest news of the day probably this early part of the week is the Bears. They have traded away not one but two players. Robert Quinn heading to Philadelphia for a fourth-round pick. The Bears also traded away probably the bigger news, Roquan Smith, their they're all-everything linebacker, to the Baltimore Ravens for a second and a fifth-round pick. Um, Simon, I'm going to start here with you. You start with either trade or both. What's your outlook here for Chicago at the moment?
0: And then maybe we'll start deep diving into the trades just a bit. Well, Ben, I continue to be mad at the bears. Um, Robert Quinn was a guy, you know, Ronan and I two weeks ago did a trade deadline kind of preview. Uh, We all expected Robert Quinn to be gone, right? He's a veteran. They've been looking to trade him for a couple of seasons. Edge rushers normally get moved pretty frequently, pretty freely at the trade deadline. That wasn't too surprising. Good on Philly for for making that trade. They're doing a great job uh, making some of these moves here for four players with all those extra draft picks. Trading Roquan Smith is, is very annoying to me because they've made it very obvious they want to build this team from the defense to the offense, right? They didn't help Justin Fields at all in this draft because they wanted to go defense first okay fine if you're gonna do that then do it you have a 25 year old all pro linebacker who is decent in coverage decent against the run uh decent just uh sideline to sideline type like he could do everything and he's he's very good at some things um and, and you have to pay somebody Ronan's gonna get into some of the numbers but it's not like they have a ton of vets that they're paying next year you're not paying a receiver you're not paying offensive linemen you have rookie defense you have guys defensive backs who are on rookie deals um you got to pay somebody so to to move on from Roquan Smith uh, was a really frustrating move I mean to net a second a fourth and a fifth rounder for for two defensive players uh one being an off-ball linebacker that is good value in terms of trade so I'll give them that at least but now those picks have to go to replenishing the front seven instead of being focused on offense like we wanted so I'm pretty frustrated. Uh, I'm especially frustrated because Corquan Smith was in my personal uh, what I wanted the Steelers to do this offseason. I had a whole uh, post that I was getting ready to write where he was going to be at the top of that uh, kind of wish list for them. And so it only makes sense that he's going to the Ravens because if you're a fan of the Steelers or Ravens, if you like a player, the the other team's going to get him. That's what they do. So good on the Ravens, I guess. Good on Philly. The, The Bears just confused the heck out of me.
1: All right, Ronan, Chicago's given up a whole bunch of uh, defensive help here. They're getting draft picks back. They're also getting a ton of cap space back in terms of future spending. Uh, what do you like here in terms of the Bears or in terms of Philadelphia, Baltimore, what's jumping out at you?
2: I mean, I love it for uh, Philly and Baltimore. I mean, you're talking about Robert Quinn, who who is joining an undefeated roster. Uh, Philly has a ton of momentum right now, and uh, – Quinn last year had himself a career year. So I think new scenery, you know, I think once Matt got traded, a lot of the focus was on Quinn uh, whenever it came to Bears week. So now with Quinn joining a much better front, I think we'll be able to see him go to work a little bit more. Uh, The Bears getting a fourth back in return, I think that was pretty good value for for it being a 30-plus-year-old edge rusher. Now, as far as the Roquan Smith trade, uh, Baltimore, uh, they, they got a, I think they got a relative steal. I, I was very shocked that he didn't go for a first round pick. I, I know, I don't know. He's a 25 year old middle linebacker who's what second in the league in tackles, I believe. Uh, I mean, a captain of the defense, I believe you're talking about the heart and soul of the defense and uh Baltimore got themselves probably a a cornerstone piece for the foreseeable future. Now the bears, I I, am with Simon on this, this, this deal makes no sense to me. Uh, I understand, you know, money might've been the issue. Uh, It didn't really seem like Chicago wanted to pay him, but that kind of sets the precedent that who are they going to pay? Who is Chicago going to pay? They drafted him the eighth overall pick the draft, his contract is coming up and they won't re sign the best player on their team. So, for all those free agents who the Bears are going to be throwing money at this offseason with the hundred plus million dollars they have uh, to spend, I mean, how enticing is it going to be for these free agents to come to a spot where they're not even keeping their cornerstone pieces? Uh, the Bears, they don't have an attractive roster for a free agent run it's not like the midwest is a fun spot to be in the middle of december especially chicago so i mean that's that plays into it i i just can't believe that they got rid of them i'll go ahead and get off of my rant here but man bad move for chicago great move for baltimore
1: Ronan's rants. I'm going to take the over under here on Ronan's rants versus Ronan's Halloween funds tonight. We'll see what we come up with. Simon, I'm going to kick it over to you back over to you again here for a second because uh, there's a lot of fun stuff here. I'm going to play my old man card here first. I remember back in the day when nobody did anything at the NFL trade deadline. I mean, nothing. It, nothing ever happened. It was the MLB trade, la- trade deadline that was fun. And then the NBA trade deadline started picking up. And these days, the NFL trade deadline is almost as exciting. We've got three teams here, uh, actually, uh, sorry, five teams here involved in three different trades, not to mention what already went on last week and still a couple more days ahead of us. It's a lot of fun. What else is standing out to you here on the Bears, the the, the Eagles, and, and the Ravens here?
0: I mean, the Ravens are getting a player that I think is going to just bring a lot of consistency to that defense. They, they've had an up and down couple of years between just injuries and guys getting older and, and not quite replacing players that they thought were replacement level players. Matt Judon from a couple of years ago has really excelled since leaving, going to new England. Um, for, for example, that the DBs are getting older. They, they brought in Marcus Williams. He's on IR Kyle Hamilton was a big early round draft pick that he's taken some time to develop and come into play. So they're just dealing with a lot going on right now. And, and for an offense that, is ready to I think compete with anybody even though it does have its flaws you want to have that defense that you normally count on for Baltimore Um, and and Patrick Queen has been the epitome of up and down for them he's had some really really nice moments in his first couple years in the NFL he's had some really really down moments as well he's kind of counted on right now to be the linchpin right there in the middle Uh, Roquan Smith while he's not going to walk in and be You know, like Ronan was saying, the the captain of this defense, they're not going to give him the green dot and ask him to kind of lead everybody from day one. He's going to come in and he's going to be able to consistently tackle, consistently, you know, not get burned um, in the zone, consistently, you know, put pressure on the quarterback, whatever they want him to do. And they're smart. They're not going to ask him to do too much. He's not going to walk in and do everything he was doing in Chicago, but they're going to pick one or two things for him to really excel in he's going to be just kind of a steadying presence so I think it's going to be a really really big deal I'm not saying it's going to all of a sudden like unlock everything for them I don't think they're all of a sudden going to be able to stop the Bills or the Chiefs when it comes to playoff time but in terms of you know kind of nailing down that third seed that we're all kind of expecting for them and and truly being a contender I think this is going to make a really really big difference for them
1: continues to get more fascinating the Giants meanwhile Kadarius Toney, there were some quote-unquote injuries floating around with him. <laughs> Turns out uh, he's getting traded now to the Kansas City Chiefs, who after getting rid of Tyreek Hill last offseason, now have 13 different options for Patrick Mahomes to throw to. Uh, Kadarius Toney heading to the Chiefs, a third and a sixth round pick, pretty significant heading over to the Giants. Ronan, I'm going to start with you. What you're feeling here on this trade?
2: Yeah, I mean, for what it was, I think the Giants got pretty good value in return. Uh, it seems like that relationship was pretty too far gone. Uh, so, you know, just being able to get a day two pick, you know, a late pick with the sixth rounder, I don't necessarily hate it for New York. Uh, you know, if he were producing, you know, how people were expecting him to, uh, and then they were to trade him, I think everybody would be like, oh, well, you know, why, why would they do that? But It just wasn't working in New York for Tony. Uh, In Kansas City, I think he might – he has a really good chance to go off. His ability to gain separation is – he's one of the better ones in the league, at least of the young guys uh, in the NFL right now. So, Kadarius, Tony, I don't know if he'll fill that Tyreek Hill role, uh, but I think he'll – as he develops, he's going to be a pretty reliable target for Patty.
1: Simon, this trade here for the Giants in what has been nothing but a feel-good season here so far for New York, um, this uh, kadarius Tony situation would probably get a lot more attention if they were losing a lot. They're winning a lot, so it's kind of been buried on the, on the back pages, right? Um, how do you feel about the trade for the Giants and or the Chiefs here?
0: For the Giants, you have to be just like jumping for joy continuously, right? Uh, this, they wanted to trade him months and months ago. They couldn't find a trade. Uh, they've gone on this successful run that they've been on with six and two for, you know, this whole season with him being a complete non-factor. And now they're only going to benefit from from the moving on from him. You you feel a little bad as a Giants fan. Th- those four games last year were just so electrifying that you, you envisioned what this guy could be for you for the next, you know, three, four, five years when he plays out this rookie contract. But at the end of the day, he played six games in a year and a half for you. So nothing was gonna happen that was going to be what it looked like it could have been. So to net a third and a six-round pick when one of those can easily turn into a starting caliber wide receiver, and then you just get a nice little bonus on top of that for a guy that, yeah, was not gonna have a relationship or a role with this team at all. Um, uh, I think that's a that's a huge win for them. So they just gotta feel great. And for the the team itself, morale and and uh just how everybody felt walking in every day everybody had to know what that situation was you know even if it doesn't seem like he was making any sort of um commotion or anything like that but just the idea of okay this guy's here this guy's here he's not practicing again what's going on what's my role um to to now kind of be done with that that's just got to be a boost if anything
1: Roland, I'm going to kick it over to you again here in a second for injuries. I'm going to, I'm not going to derail the train, Simon. I got to, I got to slow it down. I'm going to let you get off and run alongside of it for a minute, and then we'll get you back on. And we're going to go down the That's part of the pod. This Kadarius Tony situation reminds me so much of the George Pickens, but the flip the coin side of things, and it is maddening for NFL teams and fans alike. You have a guy that you know is talented, that you know can do some special things. In Tony's situation, you mentioned that he's played all of six games in a year and a half for the Giants. In the Steelers' situation, you have George Pickens, who is lighting it up so far, but you just never know with some of these uber-talented guys, it's like there's a switch that flips, and all of a sudden, they're just not available for whatever reason. It may be injuries or off-field stuff. Um, you're benefiting right now on the Pickens' side of things, but it's got to be maddening if you're the Giants, that you that you know Tony can do it, but he doesn't seem willing or able to do it for you right
0: yeah absolutely I mean to to just imagining what could have been and and that first 80 yard touchdown that he gets in Kansas City or that first screen that he catches and he breaks five tackles and he gets 30 yards is 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 going to be heartbreaking because the Giants are doing what they're doing without a lot of talent at wide receiver you know Jerry Slayton's making a bit of a comeback Wondell Robinson when he's on the field is making some nice plays but it's not like a new wide receiver has stepped up that they love. Instead, there there's clearly a hole for this team at wide receiver. So the first time that it happens in Kansas City, it's going to be kind of heartbreaking. And, and lastly, don't don't put this juju on George Pickens. Don't don't you do it. Don't, just leave it at that. I'm taking it off
1: right now. We'll knock on a bunch great. of wood. Okay. Great. Yeah. Ronan, two injuries. One day to day. Cooper Cup for the Rams. Tissue swelling in the ankle. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott, knee also day-to-day. Obviously, Elliott's not, this is not his first go around with injuries or nagging injuries or injury concerns. Uh, What stands out to you here about either or both of these injuries?
2: Yeah, I mean, the way that Tony Pollard played last week or this past week, uh, I don't know how pressured Zeke will be to uh, come back. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys should Just wait until he's healthy. Now, if he's healthy in five days, play him, right? But I mean, with how Tony Pollard was playing, I've seen all over Twitter people are calling him a running back one. I I have a hard time disagreeing with it. Uh, Just it's kind of like the Kareem Hunt situation. In the sample size that we do see him in, he goes off. So with Zeke, uh, I think Jerry Jones came out and said that uh, he's still a viable part of that offense. The offense still runs through Zeke. Uh, now, if Zeke wasn't getting paid the amount he is, I don't know how, how uh, Jerry would be talking about that whole running back situation. Uh, I feel like he might be a little bit more open to trading Zeke. But uh, as far as the Rams, uh, Cooper Cup situation, he got rolled up on in the fourth quarter. Uh, garbage time. McVeigh said he was kicking himself. It's super unfortunate. Uh, Luckily, it seems like it could have been much worse. Uh, It's just tissue swelling in the ankle. He's just day-to-day. Hopefully, uh, he'll be able to play uh, this upcoming week against the Buccaneers. It does seem like he will be able to.
1: Simon, it's amazing how some teams catch breaks and it leads to winning seasons, and sometimes that can even lead to winning decades based on just domino effect. The Buccaneers are going in the opposite direction already struggling in a number of different ways. They now have uh, Shot Barrett defensive end out for the season with an Achilles injury. Uh, this is not good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hand it off to you with that.
0: This just isn't good. Yeah, no, it's it's real bad. Uh, the, the defense for the Buccaneers was kind of keeping them even relevant for I'd say maybe the first four or five weeks. Now, as the offense has started to get closer and closer to clicking, the defense has actually been regressing a little bit these last couple of weeks. And this is not a good time to lose, you know, your number one pass rusher. So losing Shaq Barrett is going to be a big, big deal for them. They have some young guys that have been stepping up. Joe Tryon, Troyanka is uh, getting a little bit more run kind of week in and week out. Um, He's been a full-time starter this year. So expect for him to get, even more run and just be a bigger part of the defense as well as some other guys stepping up. Luckily Levante David and Devin white have been improving or have been better this year than they were last year. So there are some things, but the defense, the defensive backs are still weak. They're overall just not as good against the run as they have been. So this is really, really bad timing for Tampa. Uh, In the week that they go, you know, that they they officially see the, the number one spot in the division to the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Simon, I'm going to stay with you here. The Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, foot injury. looks like multiple weeks could fall into that kind of nagging injury throughout the season category. Same thing for Vikings tight end, Herb Smith, high ankle sprain multiple weeks. And then Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill, of course, missed the action yesterday. And we had our, our, I think our third rookie quarterback getting a start this year, if I remember correctly. But out of these three injuries, anything jump out at you?
0: Yeah, obviously for, you know, the Titans, you know, anytime your quarterback goes down, that's not a great sign. We kind of all tuned in to the game to see what Malik Willis would look like in his first start. And it obviously did not go very well. But uh, Mike Vrabel was very happy to just be to run the ball down uh, anybody's throat at that point. So I think it was just a good excuse for him to not throw the ball anymore. Go a little Arthur Smith in the Falcons. Um It doesn't seem like they're really too concerned. This was actually pretty quiet in the week leading up to Sunday. So I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing for them. And luckily for the Titans, the AFC South is a lot worse uh, all the way down than I think anybody thought, especially myself. Um, The Vikings, Irv Smith, I think it's going to be fine. But they have plenty of targets out there, I think. And it doesn't even sound like it's going to be, you know, when I hear high ankle sprain, I think six to eight weeks um reports are it is probably just going to be like maybe two to three so i think it'll be fine rashad bateman for the ravens though that's a big deal The this team is already lacking weapons um they already have guys who are injured on the offense you know mark andrews is dealing with an injury jk dobbins is obviously back out hurt again um this is not a good time for this to be happening but like you said it has been going on all season so uh, if, if he can take a few weeks off now and just not try to play through it and actually get this thing healed before the home stretch, again, this would be a good way for them to push for that number three seed. But if this is going to be longer and they don't make any moves uh, by you know, tomorrow at four o'clock, then the Ravens could be hurting for, for some skill players.
1: Absolutely. Moving into the games that we actually saw this week, 49ers beat the Rams 31 to 14. Ronan, I will start with you. The Rams looked really good to start this game. I think they were up 14-7, to and while while they weren't dominating, they looked really excited. There was a lot of tension all throughout the – you know, before the game even started, there was a lot of hyperbole, a lot of extracurricular stuff. And then the Rams looked pretty good for the first quarter, quarter and a half, and then it just kind of fell apart from there. Christian McCaffrey has a pretty good day both receiving and running the football, but again – 49ers beat the Rams in the regular season. The sun rises and sets, wait to the playoffs, right? What, what are you thinking about this game here?
2: You know, uh, I think you had it right on the money. The Rams, they didn't look bad, at least uh, in the first portion of the game. But whenever you look at the stats, uh, it, it, it's pretty clear why the Rams lost. They averaged four yards a play, a play compared to San Francisco's 7.1. And uh, whenever you're talking about the reigning Super Bowl champions, I mean, that's a huge drop off offensively. Uh, Rushing wise, the Rams were abysmal once again. Uh, They had 56 yards on the ground compared to San Francisco's 111. Uh, The only bright side that Rams fans can really come away with this game. The offensive line looked, compared to the beginning of the season, significantly better. Uh, Brian Allen was back at center. Uh, you know, I don't know if it it might be time to hit the panic button for the Rams. Uh, I don't think this roster that they have right now is one piece away from being a Super Bowl contender again, and, uh, they're going to have to make four moves uh, by the time trade deadline ends for this to be a, a viable team come to the end of the season.
1: It doesn't feel good, right? We've seen the Rams, Packers, and the Buccaneers. They all are in danger, all three of them, of not even making the playoffs at all and us having a completely different landscape than we thought other than perhaps the Eagles there at the top. Simon staying with this game, 49ers-Rams, all kinds of storylines in this game, coming out of this game, the statistics involved in this game. What really jumps out at you other than what Ronan already mentioned?
0: Yeah, for San Francisco, last week I got on here and said we saw what Jimmy G's ceiling is, right, when they played the Chiefs, and that's why, you know, they're just going to be who they are with Jimmy G. Well, Christian McCaffrey came in and officially broke through the ceiling himself. He's the Willy Wonka elevator, just going right through the top. Um, 18 carries, 94 yards, a touchdown. Eight receptions, 55 yards, a touchdown. By the way, one for one passing for 34 yards and a touchdown. I think I heard a stat somewhere that – uh Christian McCaffrey's 34 air yards on that pass equaled, or actually bet, bettered uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's longest air yard pass in his career with the 49ers, which happened in this game. So up until t- yesterday, up until Sunday, Jimmy G had not thrown 30 yards uh, in the air with the 49ers and McCaffrey did it, you know, on one throw as a running back. Um the thing with this offense is, it's just going to be so versatile. They can do anything. Uh, Iuke, Kittle, Juszczyk, Debo, McCaffrey. They can line up anywhere on the field, in the backfield, out wide, attached to the line. Uh, Even uh, Wilson was playing uh, some H back, some tight end doing some stuff. So they can do everything. Uh, It's very, very scary. This defense is going to get healthy. This was my pick last week to come out of this division. I think that's still the case. And, they might even be real contenders now as the second or third best team in the NFC.
2: If you're in the mood for more football content from phantom sports industries, subscribe to our newest podcast, the phantom fantasy football podcast hosted by yours truly Brandon, Tim together. We'll take a deep dive into the data of fantasy football to get the weekly dubs and come out on top as our league's champion. We'll see you at the next episode coming soon. Once again, This is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast
0: from Phantom Sports Industries. See you there.
1: All right, it's barbecue time. Ben's burning questions. In this case, it's Simon and Ronan's burning questions. We are going to ask them and they're going to answer them. The trade deadline is Tuesday. For some of you listening, that may already be past. For those of you who, who catch it early, there may still be a few hours left. But we mentioned it before, the NFL trading deadline has gotten to be, it has become something very exciting in a league that was already very exciting anyway. So, uh, Ronan, I'll start with you. Lay out a few things that you think could possibly happen, maybe not necessarily going to, but just some things that maybe teams and general managers are thinking about at this point.
2: Yeah, it seems like a lot of skill position players are on the block uh, this time of year. Uh, We've seen a lot of wide receivers get rumored, a lot of running backs. Uh, I, I think one of the bigger names that we could see get moved uh, in terms of, you know, just pure value is DJ Moore, uh, the wide receiver. We saw him make that huge cast before chucking his helmet off uh, against the Falcons. But yeah, there are a couple suitors uh, for DJ Moore, the Packers, obviously they need wide receivers that might be a little bit too pricey for him. But, uh, Simon, where are you thinking D.J. Moore if he is moved? Is there anywhere uh, in particular that you like him?
0: It is my greatest wish of the NFL 2022 trade deadline that D.J. Moore goes to the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert can finally throw the ball as far as he can freaking throw it. (laughs) You thought 67.6 yards from P.J. Walker was great if Justin Herbert gets DJ more, that ball is going 95 yards in the air. Uh, Every other play, basically, except for the fact that, you know, the chargers coaching staff won't let them do it, but it could happen. And that would be really, really fun. Um, That, that team, the chargers, I stopped watching them like two weeks ago, just because they're so sad to watch Um, just check down after check down after check down. And I need them to have some sort of deep threat. And for Carolina, man, I know, right now you might be thinking, finally, DJ Moore is getting unlocked. He two touchdowns in the last two games. That's literally never happened in his career. Um, Let's PJ Walker effect. PJ Walker effect. That's right, as we all expected. But also, it means there is no better time to sell high on this guy. He is under contract. He's a legit wide receiver one, and any team that's in contention uh, that could use a legitimate top two wide receiver. We saw what Odell Beckham did for the Rams last year, right? That that was literally the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not. So, is it is it hyperbole to say someone should throw a first round pick and go get DJ Moore and have him on their team for a couple of seasons? I don't think so. I mean, he's what? Uh, let's see here. He's still twenty five years old. He's under contract for a couple of years, as I said. Go get him, whatever you can do. And like I said, the Chargers would be my dream scenario. But you mentioned it. Packers should be on there. The Giants, who we talked about, should be looking. Um, And even the Ravens should be looking. Uh, Pretty much any team that's in contention could use them. But those teams in particular need a top receiver. And I don't think there's a price that's too high to pay for them.
2: Do you think that the Ravens are done or do you think that they could uh, maybe look for a wide receiver? Because with the Bateman news, I mean, they've already been struggling. Like you've said, Andrews has been hurt. Uh, Is there anybody? You, know, that they, you could see Baltimore getting it. They already gave up quite a bit of capital for Roquan, uh, so probably no one too major. But
0: I think some smaller moves that they could make, Brandon Cooks is is on the block officially now. Um, maybe there's something with Elijah Moore that could get done. Uh, that that I don't think that would be quite as much as DJ Moore, but it, it could be. And it could be very close. I don't know exactly what the Ravens have, but really they should be looking to make any kind of move. Um, even if it's something small, go out, you know, Marcus Williams is still hurt. The, the DBs have been having some issues, a defensive back that I have on my list that I'm looking at is Jonathan Abram from the Raiders, a uh, former first round pick whose fifth year option was not picked off. We know the Raiders are looking to, or have been looking to just kind of offload the previous regime's draft picks. So teams like the Ravens who are struggling the Rams who could use some defensive backs for sure, even the Buffalo Bills who have, you know, defensive back injuries by, you know, by the numbers here. Um, He should be somebody that's that's on a lot of teams' radars as well, I think.
1: Simon, I'll keep it with you. What else could we possibly see here at the trade deadline? What else is out there that's uh, either in theory floating around or you've heard some solid stuff on it?
0: Well, I think, you know, the, the other running backs, you know, we have to talk about here. The, the Raiders, who I just mentioned, Josh Jacobs, uh, with the way their season is trending, is that somebody that team should be calling up on? Again, the the Rams, you know, could, could use a running back, ironically, because Cam Akers is also on this list. Um, but the Bills, they've been their run game has been better and better the last couple of weeks. Do they really just go full tilt with it and, and bring in a, a top-flight running back? uh Kareem Hunt is officially on the block now even though the Browns I think are up like 25-0 as we speak in Monday Night Football and the Bengals um and then finally yeah Cam Akers where the heck is he gonna end up or is he just gonna end up getting you know waived at the end of the season is he gonna get kept and play next Sunday you could tell me anything and it wouldn't surprise me uh Ronan or Ben you know just the running back situation what do you guys think and you know Ronan specifically Cam Akers what's gonna happen
2: yeah with Cam I have no idea uh it does seem like the Rams have tried to shop them. Um, you would think if anybody has made any sort of offer, they would probably have accepted it by now, uh, unless they're, you know, just waiting for that buzzer beater moment. You know, uh, just crossing their fingers that someone will outbid them, outbid themselves uh, is probably what they're waiting for. Uh, if they're not going to move them, or if they are going to move them, uh, but uh, there is a world where they keep him uh and just finish the season with him on the roster uh, whether he plays or not Uh, now I've had Josh Jacobs to the Rams on my wish list since the beginning of the season so I'll stay right on that train uh Kareem Hunt is another running back like you said uh David Montgomery is another name to keep an eye on uh with the Bears being a fire sale and Khalil Herbert's uh kind of rise this season he might or Montgomery might be on the move Um, now as far as teams that need a running back the Bills would be a great uh, candidate the Eagles the Dolphins uh, like you said the Rams Uh, another name to keep an eye on is Alvin Kamara Uh, now I don't know how viable that is after their 24 to nothing blowout win over the Raiders but I mean, we're talking about a dual threat running back. He has the uh, the legal, you know, issues that are kind of pending. So I don't know how jumpy teams are going to be uh, to get into all that. Obviously, some teams don't care whenever you look at the Deshaun Watson situation. So I think, uh, yeah, a couple of those names, you know, you can kind of match them up however you see fit. But, you know, the likely – Nobody will be moved, and this is all just for fun speculation, but we could see six different running backs trading teams. Simon, feel I mean,
1: free to go wild here or keep it real. What's on your wish list? What's something you might would, uh, would really want to see happen here, even if it's uh, not very realistic?
0: Well, so part of, you know, from the running back conversation we were just having to, to where I want to go next, the Cardinals are a team I'm really interested to see what they do. We've already seen them be buyers with Robbie Anderson, but it was pretty, you know, pre- pretty chump change, right? It was small potatoes that they sent out for him. So I'm wondering if after the last couple of weeks since that trade, can this team look themselves in the mirror and say, this isn't it, man. I mean, not only do we have San Francisco and, and the Rams who are still lurking in our division, but Seattle's actually winning the division right now. With We have no hope. We have to do something. We know we like our offense, right? We know we like, you know, Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins is a legit, you know, wide receiver one. Um, Zach Hertz, who we feel good about, yada, yada, yada. What can we do on the defense to relieve a little bit of pressure? Cause they're capped out, you know, guys are free agents um, and the defense is not good. So can we relieve some pressure there? So can I get Zach Allen, right? A young defensive lineman who's kind of, understated, right? We had Chandler Jones there. We have J.J. Watt there. He's not the biggest name on that defense, but a very productive player, a very good player. He's a free agent at the end of the year who, you know, if you're going to keep him, it's going to cost you money that they just don't have. So can we get him to go somewhere and actually make a big difference for a team? Obviously, J.J. Watt's also in that conversation, but what do you get for a, you know, for, for J.J. Watt right now? Maybe it's the same as Zach Allen, but can we get one of those two guys to kind of go to a team that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender and actually do something? And I'm just fascinated to see if the Cardinals can look themselves in the mirror and be honest. Or if, you know, this past week, these past two weeks, seeing what they look like with DeAndre Hopkins, do they fool themselves once again? They're thinking, no, no, we're buyers. So we'll go. We'll trade a, a sixth round pick for Cam makers for cream hunt for Josh because James Conner is dealing with his injuries right now. Um, and they were so successful last year with the two back. So either they're going to be buyers and I think maybe go for one of those running backs and and convince themselves they still have it. Or what I would really like is these sellers cut ties, let some of those defensive linemen go who can maybe get you some value, whether it's the Packers, the Vikings, the bucks, the 49ers, some of these other NFC teams that are struggling on defense. Um, Maybe even the Steelers, Zach Allen. He's a little light for a, a three, four, five tech, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Just, we'll just keep it in the back of our minds. Um, that's what I would. And if I saw that, then I would maybe have a little more faith in the direction of the team. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I think they're going to fool themselves. But, you know, if the Cardinals are a team I'm interested in seeing if they continue to make any moves this uh, trade deadline.
1: Roland, I know you've got a couple of really wild Halloween parties to get to tonight. You've got a scoot. And I want to get your two awards, but anything else on trades before we screwed off of that?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give one more point on the uh, the Broncos. You know, they've struggled so far this season. They just won, uh, beat Jacksonville in London. Two names that have been hot on the trade block have been Bradley Chubb and Jerry Judy. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, if one of the two were moved, which one is more likely in your opinion?
0: That is so so hard. Um, <laughs> I I would say Bradley Chubb, and, and the reason being is is we talked about this off air a little bit. What positions do people love going to get at the trade deadline? Well, more than anything, it's a pass rusher. Wide receivers up there, but it's a pass rusher. Um, and, and you know Robert Quinn is is gone. He's been traded. The, there's not a lot of other big names out there. Uh, teams were apparently offering. Two first-round picks for Brian Burns of Carolina, and, and Carolina was saying no. So those teams that were offering multiple first-round picks, if the Broncos have a chance to recoup some real draft capital because someone is now quote-unquote settling for Chubb, and and they're willing to overpay to go get them, man, you got to do that. And, and you know this team, the the defense is already solid. It's got a lot of good young pieces. It it's okay. I think it's okay for this team to move on um, from Chubb. And again. This is a team that should be sellers. Will they fool themselves into being buyers? But I think you have a better chance based on the market, right, the the scarcity of legitimate pass rushers that are out there versus wide receivers. Who we've mentioned a few already that are out there. You have a better chance of a team overpaying for Chubb than for Jared Judy. So I would go with Brad the Chubb.
1: We can do this all night. Roland. I want your two awards before you're out the door. Um, give me the first one.
2: Yeah, so we've got the uh, on the way out award, and this unfortunately goes to Frank Reich. It does seem like he is on his way out. Uh, The Colts fell to the commanders 17 to 16, and uh, Sam Ellinger's first start. And, uh, you know, the Ellinger, we talked about it, uh, him getting the start last week. You know, it, it was kind of a last whim. You know, we need something to hang our hat on to keep our jobs. And it didn't really go that well. I mean, granted, it was his first game. So, you know, if he is starting for the rest of the season, there is still time. But with the way it's looking right now, uh, the Colts have just been a huge letdown in every way. And uh, Jim Mercer, I've said it just about every week. He's an impulsive guy. And uh, I think he'll be out the door. And there will be a new face in Indy next season.
1: All right, one more award, Ronan, and then we're, then we're gone. We're going to kick you out.
2: Yeah, so next up we've got the Eamon Targaryen Award. Uh, for all, all my people who watched House <laughs> of the Dragon, he was the, uh, he was the one with the eye patch. And uh, so this one's going to the Raiders. Uh, they made the move for Adams, you know, giving up a first and a second in last year's draft, but they're currently sitting at two and five. And they just got blown out 24 to nothing, like I uh, stated earlier. I'm not necessarily saying they messed up like Eamon did. Uh, If you watched the uh, season finale, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But I I think that the Raiders probably could have done uh, a little bit more building for the future uh, with the current roster they have right now. I don't necessarily know if Devontae Adams was uh, the miracle pickup, the final piece of the puzzle. Like uh, we all kind of you know thought it could have been uh, going into the season, but uh, Raiders two and five, you know, and the AFC West for the most part is struggling. Uh, even the Chargers have kind of hitting their hit their uh, ups and downs. So
1: yeah,
2: aim and Targaryen Awards going to the Raiders.
1: I love it. I love the I uh, love the analogy. Roland, anything else before you go on?
2: that is it i appreciate it guys i'm going to go study for my mass communications quizzes tomorrow
1: all right thank you roland
0: see you guys the phantom football podcast is brought to you by prediction strike does the idea of the stock market interest you but you aren't really sure what you're doing check out prediction strike prediction strike is an app where you can invest in athletes like stocks buy and sell your stock in an athlete as their value rises and falls your own portfolio of players and sell players before you think they're going to plummet. Download the app and use the code FANTOM at sign up. That's F A N T O N. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast.
1: All right, that's, a, that's Roland Summers, everybody. He will be back with us next week as always. Simon, you've got quite a few awards to hand out this week as well. Starting off with They had us in the first half award given to
0: that's going to the Detroit lions. We had a good conversation last week and I know you and Robertson cover the lions and their situation pretty well on the uh, odds on favorite podcast, but I was very excited to see the beginning of uh, the lions and dolphins game when they were really kind of cooking and and it looked like they were going to pull out a pretty big victory against a good Miami team. They were up, 27 to 17, you know, in the first half, and then just outscored 14 to nothing. Uh, really only in the third quarter. Neither team scored in the fourth quarter. Um, but just kind of, you know, they were doing things on the ground. They were doing things the way they should with the running backs. Uh, but the defense really just fell apart. Um, in, in that third quarter, and and the offense couldn't keep up. The limitations of Jared Goff really, I think, just got to them when they couldn't just keep running the ball over and over again. So. They had me in the first half. Uh, I'm not going to lie, and then they just kind of you know fizzled out at the end. so that's that's my lion's shot out there. But it was good to see them not get completely you know blown out for the third week in a row, so good, good for them. And I'm going to hand
1: out an award here too, okay. It's the feel good uh, feel good award here to Otago byoa. He was already back last yep. week, right,, Yep. but he had another heck of a game twenty nine for thirty six, three hundred and eighty two yards three touchdowns, no picks. Um, He got sacked a couple of times, so he's taking a little bit of contact, which is always great. Whether he played good or not, it's just good to see him back. In all honesty, I really didn't want to see him come back this soon. I really, after two, after watching him get up, again, the hits didn't look so vicious as watching him get up or not get up looked so horrible. I I really wanted to see him take six, eight weeks off. That's not what happened, but, you know, all things considered, he's back. He looks healthy. He's lighting it up again. It's good to see. So that's my feel-good award of the week. Simon, your next award, number two,
0: a wrinkle in time award. Now, I've never actually read this book or watched this movie, but the, the play on words got me in a couple ways. One, the wrinkle that the 49ers have added to their offense was, uh Christian McCaffrey. I think is a big, big deal. I talked about it earlier. The wrinkle in time aspect reminds me of, makes me think of just last year, we had this with the Rams who they just played. And we talked about they had Von Miller, they had Odell Beckham Jr. And it's kind of the key pieces that really catapulted them to Super Bowl contention. You remember this time last year, we weren't really sure. We we were a little disappointed in the Rams. Stafford was throwing interceptions. They were having a hard time. Bon Miller comes in, Odell Beckham comes in, things click, and they go on that great run. Um, this, uh, I'm not coming in here and saying that the 49ers are currently my Super Bowl favorites or anything, but this feels a lot like that, where there were just things that weren't clicking for this seemingly pretty good team, um, and you add one or two pieces that can really unlock you. So this could be a big deal for the 49ers, I think, moving forward. Christian McCaffrey
1: would fit on any team when healthy. He's just that good. but Going to the 49ers, when you look at Sean McVay of the Rams, it's like this. Bill Belichick of the Patriots is like that. Um, the 49ers coach is like this. They're, they're Shanahan. There are they're only a handful of guys. I call them transformer coaches. They're able to take the roster and turn it in all kinds of different ways, almost like a Rubik's Cube that they're playing with. And other coaches have other strengths. Some of it is teaching. Some of it is roster building. Some of it is developing certain positions. Some of it is just creating mismatches. But those three guys that I just mentioned, they all three seem to be very good at taking a guy, taking a roster, taking a half of the roster, and just transforming it in all kinds of cute little ways that other coaches really don't seem to be able to do, at least not at that level. So I I love watching him go to the 49ers. They needed something. This certainly seems to be it. In an NFC that is topsy-turvy, we'll see how far it can carry them this year. I'm not sure there are any limits if, if they don't have any more significant injuries right so it's fascinating i love it now that ronan is gone (laughs) we are gonna hand out number three the ronan was wrong award
0: the award that just keeps coming back to this show uh this is obviously just in name the ronan was wrong award which we use anytime we want to say we were wrong and man Could I not have been more wrong about the Atlanta Falcons and Seattle Seahawks, at least through this point in the season? Things could go bad. I'm not saying that they're going to win their divisions and be top four seeds in the playoffs. But look, we're sitting at almost the halfway point of the year. Those two teams are leading their divisions. I thought they were going to be competing for the first overall pick in the NFL draft. It does not look like that's going to be the case. They could both very easily not only win their divisions, but – at minimum be in the wild card hunt. You know, these teams are gonna very much be in until the end and it's very real what they're doing. The Falcons offense, for all of its kind of, you know, tricks and and, and you know flashiness, it's actually seemingly pretty sustainable. I got on here after week one and handed out my O five Honda Civic Award for them. Um well guess what the Honda's still rolling, buddy. And you know the Se- Seahawks, Geno Smith, I I feel so Validated for you know my my take that he was going to be not only the starter this year but pretty good and and he's doing it he won that game for them against the Giants this weekend. Um, These two teams are real and and whether they win their divisions or not, make the playoffs or not, I was completely dead wrong about these two teams. So Ronan was wrong. Award for Simon goes to the Falcons and the Seahawks. I'm
1: right there with you. I didn't think either of these teams had anything to offer this season I mean squat I thought two three maybe four wins that was it they have already sailed way past that I love it I love every bit of it I love watching these teams go up and compete with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Sean McVay and actually win their fair share of these kinds of games this year love it give it to me every single season the Falcons are interesting to me I I do expect them to tell off a little bit here but the number of offensive weapons that they just seem to seem to keep pulling out here. Um, we knew about Cordell Patterson. We, we kind of knew about uh, Kyle Pitts, a healthy Kyle Pitts. We thought we knew about Drake London, but they're bringing in guys like Caleb Huntley at quarter at, at running back. Marcus Mariota looks faster at running the football than I've seen him ever look at the NFL level. Um, there, there's more names that I'm forgetting. I think there's a Zaccheaus on the roster who is making a lot of, a lot of, nice little plays there's a couple other guys on the falcons offensive side of the football it's almost like a magician they just kind of seem to keep pulling these little rabbits out of the hat these guys can do all sorts of kind of different little things and it's hard to guard everything it's just kind of and and again they don't have the most dominant offense in the world but they're, they're just creating all these different little things and and i love to see it it is fantastic to watch both atlanta and seattle this this uh this year surprise not just us but everyone your last award the anna pavlova award what is
0: it who's it go to uh so the brilliant russian ballerina as we all know anna pavlova uh from the late 1800s to early 1900s this is going to romeo dobbs man that catch i think that was the catch of the week and i probably could have just said that but you know this is better romeo dobbs uh, motions across the line of scrimmage. Uh, then, you know, he kind of fakes it. it. It's a, it's an in and then up route. He he comes in and to the left, he goes back out to the right, kind of on a deep fade. Um, he's looking left for the ball. He readjusts. And then he has to do a pirouette in the, in the end zone and readjust to the ball and go up and get it, um, for a touchdown. And I think that's a big, big key for him and the Packers moving forward because he needed to regain some of some trust from Aaron Rodgers. Whether you view that as he rightfully needed to do that or wrongfully needed to do that, either way, we know Aaron Rodgers was not trusting Romeo Dobbs much going into this game. Uh, Dobbs, I think, earned that trust back with that catch. He got a few more opportunities as the game went on. But good things happen with this Packers offense when Dobbs has the ball in his hands. Um, so hopefully we're kind of seeing this as a turning point, not only for Dobbs' rookie for year, but for the Packers offense moving forward.
1: It would certainly be important. If, if that can be a breakthrough moment in that relationship and on this team, it could be huge for the Packers this year. And assuming Rodgers keeps coming back for another season or two, who knows what it could mean for them next year and the year after, too, uh, as, as the, the Rodgers era, at least at some point, is going to wind down. It could mean a, a lot for the Packers franchise. Let's go back to a couple of games here before we shut it down for the night. And we appreciate everybody for for continuing on with this little bit of a different podcast tonight. The Bills defeated the Packers. This game was never close. I mean, (laughs) I, I I didn't watch the second half of this game, but I felt like had the Bills wanted to run the score up, they probably could have. I, I think they were probably content to just kind of manage it on out the rest of the way. 27 to 17 is the final score. Talk to us about everything that you saw in that game as the Bills continue to look great and the Packers, unfortunately, Dobbs notwithstanding, continue to struggle.
0: Yeah. So the funny thing is, this looked like the best game for the Packers in in the last you know month plus. Um, kind of this game was kind of where I saw Tampa two weeks ago, right when we first started saying Tampa's starting to click a little bit on offense, right? They're just a touch off on a few things. Um, that's what it kind of felt like for the Packers in this one, they, they only put up 17 points, but what was really, really impressive is that they finally made Aaron Jones, the focal point of this offense. They went through kind of spells where they would remember they're supposed to be a run first team and they would use Jones and AJ Dillon and they would, you know, kind of have mixed results for it. But this time they went all Aaron Jones all the time, which I love. I mean, I think he's the perfect player for them. Rogers trusts him. He gets the job done every time you feel like he could take it to the house whenever he wants, but they finally filtered the offense through him. He had 24 touches in this game. His previous season high was 19 and he's only had, I think three or four games before this game where he had more than 15 touches. This guy needs to be getting the ball seriously, 10, at least 10 times a half Um, whether you're throwing it to him or running the ball, whether it's goal line screen passes, you can line him out wide. Um, you can do anything with him, and he's their most productive offensive player and the one that I think Rodgers trusts the most. So I think this actually looked – was the best looking the Packers have been all season because they did that. Scoreboard-wise, yeah, if Allen doesn't have those two picks kind of as they're driving the ball down the field, this could have easily been, you know, a 40-burger for for the Packers, and it looks a lot different. But if you just isolate what the Packers were doing, they looked a lot better. So. They're obviously pretty far back of the NFC North It might be you know it's probably too far too gone for them to kind of win the division. I think they're still very much in the running for this wild card position, but you talk about all those teams in in the NFC East you know we talked about could the Cardinals be buyers making every team in the NFC West a contender um, the NFC South is weird so who knows what we could end up with there that's probably just a one playoff team division but we mentioned the Falcons and the Bucks. And, and you know, so there are a lot of teams vying for wild card positions. The Packers still could very much be in it, and this was a nice step for them. Um, but yeah, this obviously could have been a much bigger blowout if if Josh Allen doesn't throw those two picks that we don't really see him throw. So whether it's thirty four to seventeen, whether it's forty one seventeen, um, the the Bills very clearly had this one in hand. But this was a step in the right direction for the Packers, I think. Let's move to another team that's
1: struggling that we didn't think would, and it doesn't look any better for Tampa Bay than it does for Green Bay. Matter of fact, based off of what you just said with the Packers, it probably looks worse for the Buccaneers at the moment in this, you know, soap opera of a uh, of a season. Tampa Bay loses to the Ravens, 27 to 22. Uh, Tampa Bay was, was looking pretty good in the first half. Third quarter it just starts to all go Baltimore's way. Typical Tom Brady that he gets them back in the game, but they can't pull it off. So the Ravens win. They are at five and three. They've looked great at times this year, not so great at times this year, but they're five and three. And the Buccaneers are three and five. What do you see coming out of this game here?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, this felt almost like the, the Ravens kind of had it in their back pocket the whole time. It was nice to see the Bucks have a little bit of success, but I mean – Tom Brady didn't throw his touchdown until literally the last minute of the game, kind of just a garbage time uh, attempt. Um, Really, the Ravens in the third quarter, they decided, okay, we're just going to run the ball down your throat. And that's what they did. They scored 14 unanswered points in the third quarter um, and went on to have 24 points in the second half. Uh, They ran for, I think, 231 yards in this one. 65 for Gus Edwards, 62 for Kenyon Drake, 43 for Lamar Jackson, 33 for Devin DuVernay. Um, So really, they were just able to say, uh, we can do this whenever we want. And I think a large majority of those came in the second half. Um, Isaiah Likely, the tight end that they drafted to kind of be the number two, we talked about him around draft time where they want to utilize these tight ends. They're not utilizing their receivers that much. That is definitely the case. Uh, he had six receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. He's able to just kind of get open whenever he wants. Again, that Tampa defense is really starting to kind of let the chains kind of go on him, and that's not what you want to see at this point of the year. So the the offense, they're, they're completely giving up on the running game Tampa. Um, Brady is clicking now mostly with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He and Mike Evans actually had a couple miscues in this one as well, but Evans still had – Six catches for 123 yards, um, but th- this offense is still missing something. Again, you take away that that late touchdown, and it's a very different looking score. Uh, so Tampa might be going backwards a little bit from what we saw, or at, at least just standing in place. Um, and Baltimore was just kind of able to turn the Jets on when they when they really needed to.
1: And we've got a few minutes here to kick around. We're kind of out of the agenda, but I I did want to hit this because from a roster-building standpoint, this is so fascinating to me. We watched Tampa Bay two seasons ago. We watched them with Tom Brady and one of the best offensive lines in football, if not the best that year, and with a defense that struggled in the middle of the season but came on like just like unbelievably by the playoff time, just shutting everything down. They weren't untouchable, but they were pretty close. They were pretty close to untouchable. Uh, maybe if the Kansas City Chiefs had a healthy offensive line for that Super Bowl, maybe they could have could have challenged, probably would have. But the Buccaneers dominated. Two years later, we see a Buccaneers team that just can't seem to get out of its own way. It seems like offensive line already had subtractions to begin with, and now injuries. Uh, Tom Brady looks like maybe he... It, maybe not quite the same Brady that we're used to seeing. Again, it, who knows if he had to help the offensive line, if he had all his wide receivers all year. The wide receiver depth clearly isn't there without Gronkowski to kind of support that. Evans is good and Godwin is good. But, again, Gronkowski is gone. And the defense has started to show things, too. It, it reminds me of this. You know, a team can look so good in one season and a season or two later they don't. The Buccaneers were hitting money troubles last offseason and they had to start letting people go. And you you can talk all you want to about next man up. That's a beautiful cliche. It sounds great. It's, it's a great rallying cry. But if next man up, if next man up is a fifth-round draft pick versus a veteran that you paid five million dollars for, that's a huge difference. We're seeing some of these teams trade for some of these veterans because they have the cap space to do it. If next man up is having to play alongside of your fourth-round pick from last year as opposed to a guy that you're paying $10 million to, it's a huge difference. We're seeing that with Tampa Bay now. We're seeing it with the Packers a little bit. We've seen it for years. The money kicks in here, and it kicks in hard. You, you may not get hit by the salary cap in one particular season, but when you're paying these quarterbacks a lot of money and you're keeping them and you're starting to add other big-name players and pay them a lot of money too, you can't, you can't pay for the debt. You don't have as good a draft picks as you had. Some in some cases, teams have traded away these draft picks, and and I, it just really stands out to me the way Tampa Bay is struggling so much. And again, we could point to injuries, but they were already signs that this might not be as dominant of a football team this year. Um, Any more thoughts there on Tampa Bay or the Ravens as we start to? We're we're in
0: the second half of the season now, basically for for these two teams. Yeah, I mean, you just you. Defensively, you lose a couple of those those key pieces, um, you know, and you get older, right? This, you know, Levante David was thirty when they won the Super Bowl. Jason Pierre-Paul was there; he was thirty-one, and Dom two was there; he was thirty-three. Um, JPP had nine and a half sacks and two picks and two fumble recoveries that year. And you go from him to, you know, who I mentioned earlier, Joe Tryon, Troyanka this year, who you know is a nice young player, but he's not, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, You were also catching Shaq Barrett in uh, the the last year of his contract and he was just dominating, right? Um, The defensive backs were young and feisty with Sean Murphy Bunting and Antoine Winfield were in their first and second years at that point. Jordan Whitehead was back there in his second year or his uh, third year at that point. So they were kind of this young, hungry team at that point. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting is currently behind Jamel Dean on the depth chart uh Antoine Winfield they've been playing in the slot a little bit so he's this year so he's not doing quite as much kind of free ranging as he was two years ago Jordan Whitehead's not on this team anymore um so the defense is just different and that's where a lot of the juice was and then offensively I mean yeah you can easily just point to the offensive line you go from Ali Marpet Ryan Jensen and Alex Kappa on the interior there and you go to Luke Gadecki Robert Hainsey and Jack Mason um And that's 2022 Shaq Mason, not 2018 Shaq Mason. So the offensive line is, is obviously not as good. That's a big deal for Tom Brady as he gets a couple years older. Uh, We know all the off season stuff and off field stuff that's going on with Tom Brady as well, right? Retires, uh, retires, doesn't want to play. Either wants to go own the dolphins and play quarterback or go play quarterback for the Niners. And all that falls through because of tampering. Um, He, Bruce Arians gets fired. What what does that look like in the locker room in terms of, you know, does everybody kind of walk around side-eyeing Tom Brady, knowing that's why BA get, you know, is now upstairs. I I don't know, you know, stuff like that happens. And then last but not least, Gronk isn't there. Right. And I think that's a big deal for a lot of guys, whether it's helping the offensive line, helping Tom Brady feel comfortable and maybe just adding an element of fun and excitement to the locker room that these guys could probably use right now. So I think there's a lot of things that go into it, both for the bucks here specifically, and teams just in general on the around the n f l and it's why it's so hard to win back to back and be true contenders year in and year out We're seeing the Rams dealing with it this year, and it's just kind of the nature of the n f l it's both what makes it very very exciting and also what can make it very frustrating if you're you know a fan of one team and you win a Super Bowl and then the next year you're just kind of you know well, just another team. <laughs> You mentioned the, the Buccaneers. There is so much going
1: on there. It's not just one thing that you couldn't point in one thing, but the Gronkowski thing is big. He was not as good last year as in his prime years when he was with the Patriots. I think we all know the athleticism, the health, the consistency wasn't the same. Even so, the Gronkowski that they had last year was a difference maker. <laughs> You could almost always throw him the ball almost any time you needed to, and that's huge, and they don't have that. And, and I don't know that they even have a viable third option at the moment. They got they got some guys, but but Brady just doesn't have as many options as he is used to having, and he doesn't quite have the offensive line that's as strong up the middle, and he they can't run the football, and and, and you mentioned everything. So uh, a lot of problems going on there with the Buccaneers. We'll see if they can pull it out. Anything else you want to talk
0: about before we shut it down for the night? I think that was it then another great week of football midweek or mid season next week. Here we go. I've enjoyed it. Everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you next week, Simon, and you shut down the show. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much. Come back and be with us next Tuesday and every Tuesday as we recap the latest goings on of the NFL, both on the field and off. So we really appreciate it. You can follow the show on Apple and Spotify. So you're up to date whenever we release an episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at Phantom Football, get the updates there. Please email the show at phantomfootballpod at gmail We would love to give everybody a shout out that listens, uh, and if you have a question or comment that you want to read on the show, we would love to do that as well. So hit us up there. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you.